All right, thank you. That was good. Brother Kevin, great music today, and I appreciate that so very much. And I tell you, we've, had, we've just had good music all along, and that is something I'm thankful for. Okay, Isaiah chapter 53, and this evening I'm going to read verses 3 through 6 instead of uh, 4 through 6, because it's hard to read this without seeing what is seen in verse 3 as well. And... Uh, I, while, while you're looking that up, uh, I want to say to our radio audience as well as those who are watching by the live stream tonight, if you make a decision for Jesus Christ, uh, whether it's myself preaching up here or anyone else preaching during any of our services, uh, we would like to know that. And you can email me at P as in preacher, P Bloom at centralbaptistocala.org. And We'd just like to know. We'd like to be encouraged as well. And so if you make a decision and you want to just mention what you've done, you've received Christ perhaps, or maybe you uh, have something in your Christian life and you'd like to share that with us as a result, uh, then do that, whether it's through the preaching or through the great music that we had tonight. So just, just in one way or the other, we'd appreciate that so very much. Okay, our text is Isaiah chapter 53. And as, as I said, let me read verse 3 to begin with as uh, in this because it just so fits in with our text. Speaking of Jesus, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. And we, we, we esteemed him not. This written 700 years before the cross happens. Verse 4, surely he hath borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. See, everything said in those two previous verses were indeed rightfully applied to us, but he took our place. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Well, let's pray. Father, I pray that this story of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection will never ever become a fact that does not stir our hearts as the people of God. Forgive us, Lord, when our passions are not stirred by this story. Forgive us, Lord, when we fail to tell the story that will save souls. Lord, if we had a sure vaccine and the thing that would automatically, immediately, totally 
eliminate COVID-19 and we wouldn't get to the world, we'd be miserable. But Lord, worse than that, we have a cure for the soul headed to hell. For the people without Jesus Christ. And we're even more miserable because that speaks of eternity. Not just the present day. So Lord, I pray that you would give us, give us that burden for the souls of men because that's a burden that's born out of love. No greater love hath any man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. May this be true for us in Jesus Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. Well, this morning we saw in part his works. His work is seen in daring. These things were written here in verses 3 through 6. They were in his heart to take it for us. And we see also, following up on verses uh, 14 and 15 in, in the book of John there in verse uh, chapter uh, 15, where greater love hath no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. This morning we got near the end and I didn't have the time that I really wanted to put into it, but Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 11, I was going to read verses 10 and 11, but due to the time I just read verse 11. But look at that again, Isaiah 53 verses 10 and 11. For there it says, yet... It pleased the Lord. The Lord is speaking of God the Father now. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the, the travail of his soul. He shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Oh, by his knowledge. When that old accuser stands before God and says, Hey, you know what old Dandy Bloom's guilty of? You know what this one's guilty of? You know what that one's guilty of? Jesus says, you're sure right, but it's been paid for. In the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness, what a great thing that is. But yet, we read the story of Abraham offering Isaac. And he raises that, and what an obedient person, because when he starts to raise that knife to come down on his own son, he just does, God just doesn't say Abraham. He says, Abraham, Abraham! He had to say it twice. Why? Abraham, Abraham! He had to stop him. And yet I don't think it would have pleased Abraham to bruise him, to kill him. But it pleased the Lord, it pleased the Father, that when his only begotten son was dying on the cross, that the Holy Spirit who had began to form that seed, which would be Jesus Christ inside of Mary, that only begotten Son of God the Father 
it pleased the Lord to bruise him because his attitude of, not, of sin did not change when he saw my sin on his only begotten son. God is holy. Don't ever accuse him of unjustness. God is absolutely, totally holy. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. But when Jesus paid it all, he was satisfied with the payment. And therefore, any who would receive him as their Lord and Savior, he will save them to the uttermost. That is the gospel. That is the way of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But just understand, almighty wrath was poured out. There was no watering down of the wrath of God when it was poured out on the human spirit of Jesus Christ. Jesus is forsaken of any grace. Grace that was afforded to him when he was in the wilderness, 40 days and 40 nights, and the angels came to minister to him. Grace that was ministered to him when he sweat drops as if they were blood there in the garden. And the angels came to minister to him as he knew what was coming with the cross. He was a part of the plan of the payment for the sin of man. But now, there is no, no grace for him. And you know, I think that's very important to note. For the soul that's in hell who died without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that soul who rejected the free offer of salvation, has no ministering whatever to his spirit. There's no hope. There's no ceasing to escape, uh, to exist. There's no ceasing of the torment. And there's no escape. I'm not taking advantage of something, but I think it's there for us to mention Have any of us recently had a greater fear for our family concerning COVID-19 than we do for the souls of men? For the souls of even our family. I believe that'll be a total shame in heaven when that's revealed before all. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I'm not that bad. Come on, what's wrong with you? Why would a good God do these things? Why would he do this to me? I do right. I pay my taxes. I've even given to the church. I'm a kind person. Well, let's see. The very next book from our text is Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 and 10. In that book, he says this. The heart of man is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked. Above all things, our heart, my heart, it's, it's deceitful. Deceives even myself. Oh, there's a lot of things that deceive in this world today. But the greatest deceit is our heart. And it's wicked above all things. And he says, who can know it? 
The idea of who can know it, from what I'm told of the Hebrew scholar says, the idea is this. You take all the learning of the, of the uh, men of science, of all types, of all knowledge. Take it all and combine it together. And man, in a concerted effort to study and to find the depths of it all, still cannot know how deceitful and desperately wicked the heart is before an all-holy God. He says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the range. You see, he's the one that sees our heart. Now, people can try to guess our motives. People can try to guess why we do things. And really, just doing that, you're trying to say, I'm God. But listen, only God knows. Only God knows. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. You know what that means? Without Christ, you receive all of that. The fruit of your doings. The fruit of a deceitful heart. He will even judge the intents of the heart. He will judge the hidden things of darkness that you thought you got away with. And he will make them fully known. Titus 3.5 says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. <laughs> we didn't do it ourselves. He saved us. Oh, again, don't let that become just a fact that we know for certainty, but it doesn't stir our heart. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. <laughs> he makes it clear. You didn't save yourself. It is the gift, it's not earned, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Man, look at what I did. Mm -mm. I've heard preachers say, well, you know, if it hadn't been for me, that wouldn't have got done. If it wasn't for me, that wouldn't have got done. No. Anything that's good that gets done is through the power of Jesus Christ. Just be thankful if he uses you to help get it there, but it wasn't you, it was him. For we are his workmanship. <laughs> my salvation was his workmanship, not, not my own. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works. I don't have to decide what I'm going to do for the Lord. I've got to find out what he wants me to do. He's already laid it out. So he says, we are his workmanship, created un unto good works. Which he hath before ordained, <laughs> even before you were born that ye should walk in them. As a Christian, if I'm not walking in what he's ordained for me to walk in, I'm a failure. Even if the world thinks, that's really good. That, that's the reason we have to have a personal walk with the Lord Jesus every day. So don't call God a liar and say, look what I did. He sees the heart. Verse 5 mentioned iniquities. Iniquities means perversity, outward acts of sin. The word bruise there means uh, in the Greek, uh, as it is used here, in the way that it is referring to it, is more to the spirit than to the body. 
His spirit was bruised. His spirit was bruised. My sin, and that's how we each have to think of it. My sin bruised the human spirit of Jesus Christ. Not just the outpouring of the wrath of the Father. He bore my sins. His spirit is bruised. Publicly or privately, we have all committed outward sins of the body. If you doubt that, then listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 10, verse 26, where he says, Fear them. Fear them? Yes. Fear them. Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. Listen, you can hide things from government, from your spouse, from your parents, from your employers, from uh, your children, from all kind of things. But you don't hide it from God. He even said, there's something you've done. Leave your gift at the altar and go take care of it and make it right. That's God's way. And I don't want something of my past to interfere with the eternal rewards. I don't want to be saved just so as by fire. Too often today says, well, God, God forgives me. But people don't make things right. Those you've wronged. That's a shame when his, that sin was fully paid for on the cross. And all he's asked us to do is make it right with others. In the ministry over the years, and over 40 years of ministries, I've, I've had people give me a really a bad time. Leave. And some of those would call later and just say, I am so sorry. I was wrong. I praise the Lord for that. I really do. But on the other hand, that means God spoke to their heart. It wasn't me. I wasn't around them. God did a work. That's a blessing. What that did, though, it put on me the responsibility to forgive them. We have that responsibility. He said, man, that accusation was false and it was terrible. Oh, the devil makes accusations against us every day. The Lord forgives. And he even said, if we forgive not men their trespasses, he won't forgive us of the thing until it's right. So let's forgive. People come to United don't say, well, you just got to forgive them and don't do anything about it. No. I've heard people say, well, understand. That's just the way they are. You just got to forgive them. You just got to love them. Yeah, you really do. You got to love them to not forgive them until they repent. That's God's way. You know what? God didn't save me and didn't forgive me until I came to him in repentance and faith. So why is his way wrong when it comes to our personal relationships? Oh, it's due God's will, God's way. 
It's always, always right. Well, people always react right, and no, they won't. And so he says in verse 28 of Matthew 10, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's the one to fear. And remember this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. Everything is manifested to him. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, verse 5 says. That word chastisement has the idea of discipline, rebuke, correction, chastening. In other words, I needed that. I deserved that. But Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Can you look at the cross and realize that's what my sin demanded? And not love him? And not obey him? That's what it demanded. My peace with God is through Jesus Christ. Our Lord, therefore, Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is why by His stripes we are healed. In Jerusalem, when we go to Israel, one of the places that just stand out to me the most, now all of it stands out to me, but I guess it's Pilate's Judgment Hall. You know, a lot of Christian tours go over there and they do the walk down the Via Della Rosa. The problem is, is that wasn't the route that the Lord took. But uh, there are those that designed that because they wanted to go by the Catholic Church, I guess. But no, that's not the route that he took. And they have an upper room over there. They say, oh, here's the upper room. They don't know that. It's just a place that's there that they think could have been the upper room. And there are places they said, well, Jesus could have done this. Jesus could have been here. We go to the Valley of Elah. Okay, it's a big long valley, it's a big long place. I, I could say, okay folks, you're standing right on the spot where David slew Goliath. No, you're standing in the valley, but you're not on the spot. Okay. But when you go to Pilate's Judgment Hall, through the excavations and all they've done, through what they have found in the Writings on the walls and things of that nature and, and in the scrolls that they have. You're in the very hall where our Savior was whipped with the Roman cat of nine tails. I remember the first time that my guide that we had in Israel, we were going in there and he said, he said, now, when I point to you, I want you to read Isaiah 53. I said, okay. No, yeah, no problem, you know. Isaiah 53, how many times have I read that? Shouldn't be a problem. And the nice thing, the book they had had big print. <laughs> but there's Isaiah 53, and he went on to tell how they would bring a person in that judgment hall. And how they would flog him with that whip. 39 times. 
those nine leather strands of going off with bits of bone metal and ivory in it, you know it would pull away from his body and rip the skin. His skin, his body broken means he was bleeding. His stripes. His stripes. And then he said this thing as he finished up telling it. He says, somewhere within 50 feet, wherever you're sitting in this building, within 50 feet. And he says, we don't know this because we don't know the exact spot where he was was, uh, whipped. Because if we knew that, people would worship the spot instead of him. But he said, somewhere within 50 feet of the place where he was whipped, your Savior. was flogged for you and I have yet to read through that while we're over there and not just break down and not be able to finish it well and it still moves my heart to this very day even when I'm not there my Savior did that for us That was Jerusalem. And what I like about it, because we don't do the Via Della Rosa. When we walk out the hall, most people turn left and follow this other path. We turn right. And we walk and you can see along the open way over there, the gate is open. And we walk to Golgotha. You can see how people would have been on the side the ladies crying and the other things going on. You can see how that would have happened because now they, they are, we are headed to Golgotha. And you see that hill of the skull. But praise God. And by the way, we're going to hit on the hill of the skull next Sunday. But after seeing that, you take a, just a... You can look to your right, and there's the hill of the skull, then you can turn to the left. Just walk a few steps, and you'll see an empty tomb. It's empty. It's empty. Jesus paid it all for you and for me. I guess that's one of the reasons I just love going to Israel. I'm reconciled to God by His actions and by His initiating the actions. The verses 4 through 6, all of those things, even 3 through 6, the sorrows, the, the, the despising, the griefs, smitten, wounded, transgressions, bruised, iniquities, chastisement. I'm guilty, not him. I'm guilty. Those verses are my testimony. With the exception, I did not pay the price. But the iniquities, all that is there that is evil is me. That's my testimony. And the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world took my place.
My reaction to that is to receive him as Lord and Savior. Yes, Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But what was the result also? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation, in other words. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new, cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Reconciled to God throughout all eternity, that is his love. No greater love hath any man than lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do whatsoever I've told you. As Jesus said, let me tell you something. That's my Lord. That's my God. And he wants us to take him to others that he might be their Lord and their God. Yes, my iniquities, my transgressions, the chastisement of my peace. But with those stripes, I am healed. We can blame Adam, but here we're told in verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquities of us all. Look, our own way. Not talking about Adam's. Yes, we inherited the sin nature from him. But I believe that I can rightly say that even in the sin of Adam, He has not sunk to the depths in his lifetime that I have in mine. He ate fruit that he's told not to eat of. We have not done what he's done. He did not do what we've done, should I say. We live in a psychology-based society today that wants to blame the past on somebody's parents, on somebody's this, somebody's that. They're always blaming everything. Not making them responsible. We want blame for bad people to be put on someone else or something else. How many times have you ever heard parents say, my child's a good kid and just got with the wrong crowd. If your child runs with the wrong crowd, your child is the wrong crowd. And if you don't accept that, then you can't really be a help to your child in getting right. Because they run with the wrong crowd, that's why they have parents to help them get right. What we have failed to do as parents and leaders is to teach children they do have a personal responsibility. And that we do deserve the consequences. There's two ways that we'll see this at the judgment seat of Christ and the white throne judgment. It's a judgment seat of Christ. We're only saved or uh, brought before him. We'll see loss of reward. Now, some will have crowns laid at his feet because they obeyed. But for others, it'll be loss of reward with a broken heart. At that white throne judgment, when the books are open, everything is listed there. They'll see definitely that not only is it made known, but regardless of what it is, they are fully known. And that white throne judgment, 
They'll be cast into the lake of fire. And they'll know by that judgment that they fir- firmly, totally deserve to go to hell. In each case, whether it's the saved or the unsaved, in each case there was personal responsibility. He hath laid the iniquity of all people walking on the face of this earth today and throughout all those who have lived upon this earth. And the fact of the matter is, Romans 1.20, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Look at creation and understand all men are without excuse because that's the testimony of God. It is there, it is plain. We're without excuse. Romans 5.20 lets us know that uh, where sin abounded, God's grace did much more abound. Men are without excuse because they would not receive the grace of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The glory of God is Jesus Christ. And people would not receive him. All our guilt from all our sin, our thoughts, the intents of our heart, our actions, our words, our evil in the spirit and soul with the other lust of coveting was all laid upon him. And that's why it didn't change the father's attitude about sin, even when it was his own begotten, those sins were laid upon He did not become a sinner. He became sin. He became what we are, laid upon him. And what did his stripes heal? I mean, just think, what did his stripes heal? (laughs) My sin-diseased soul that the world had no cure for. And because of that, all my sins are paid. I have peace with God. And when I appear before the Lord, I'm accepted in the beloved. That is in Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1, 6. And we can go and witness that true story to anyone. He died. He died for good husbands. He died for good wives. He died for bad husbands. He died for bad wives. He died for good children. He died for bad children. He died for homosexuals, sex predators, harlots, sluts, and what have you. But he also died for good moral people. He paid it all. And he can cleanse And he can change you. Fully forgiven. We've been given an order. Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 24 verse 47. And that repentance and remission of sins. You know what the word remission means? Forgiveness. 
coming to him in repentance and faith, he says, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You know, simply believing what he says in his word, God never lies, so you receive him. When I told my wife I loved her before we got married, she believed it. When she told me she loved me, I believed it. But believing, just believing that didn't get us married. We had to make that decision to walk the aisle and make those vows before God and man. Believing that Jesus died for you but never receiving him as Savior is failing to take the vows. Oh yes, it's free because Jesus paid it all. But we still have to make that commitment to him. It's a commitment that is even stronger, not less than marriage. And yet, if we do, he's already said, I do. We just need to see, say, no, uh, I do to him now. Greater love hath no man than this than to lay down his life for another. But may I add, and this is not pretty, there's no greater fool than a person who knows he's lost and needs a Savior, but rejects him or puts it off. We have a story to tell to the nations. But it's not a sales story where, oh, well, if we just say it just right, they'll get saved. No. It's a true story. It's a true story that Jesus paid it all. They have to accept it or reject it. Saying a prayer is not magic. It's not saying the right words. But rather... It is in depth through those words, really in depth and total commitment to receive him as your Lord and Savior. Let's take that message to the nations. Let's bow our heads, please.